This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Dan Grasso Show. Last night, I think, was the first time in the midst of this seven-game losing streak where you looked at the Mets and what you watched was a complete and utter embarrassment. No other way to slice it. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that I was watching. So now they've lost seven in a row. Each loss is probably worse than the one that preceded it, and you're nine and a half games out of first place. You couldn't touch Rich Hill last night? Rich Hill. Rich Hill's older than I am. You let Rich Hill go seven innings last night. Your pitchers can't even go seven innings. You got two guys who are first ballot Hall of Famers. You're paying them $43 million. They haven't gone seven innings all year. Or maybe they did once. He's 45 years old, and you couldn't touch him. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. From the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center in beautiful Florham Park, New Jersey, as we're taking it right up until... 3 o'clock this afternoon, we'll hand things over to our buddy Gordon Damer at that point. Why are we at the Jets Training Center? Well, because today the Jets are hosting the Girls High School Flag Football Championships. Partnership with Nike, Gatorade, the NFL. We got the New Jersey State Championship that just got underway moments ago between Ridgewood and Hillside. So uh, we will talk to someone from the Jets coming up a little bit later on this hour, and we hope to speak to the winning coach uh, next hour as well. But like I said, a lot of things going on, a lot of baseball talk in that first hour. The Mets continuing to scuffle. They were embarrassed last night in Pittsburgh, and the Yankees dropped the opener of their weekend series by the Boston Red Sox in the Bronx. Came close, right? Came close at the end from maybe some heroics from one Anthony Volpe, but went just foul, and because of that, the Yankees are going to turn to Domingo Herman, sticky hands himself, to see if he can pitch the Yanks back into the win column in the series against the hated Bo Sox. But NBA Finals also last night, and, you know, there's been a common theme so far in this series where the three games that the Denver Nuggets won, they held Miami to under 100 points in all three, and they were all rather convincing victories too. All three Denver victories, double digits. The latest last night, they beat the Heat by 13 down in South Beach, take both games down in Miami, and are on the precipice of capturing the first-ever championship in the history of that Denver Nuggets franchise. And, look, you want to talk about conspiracies, you want to talk about the shoddy officiating and all those things that we have come to know in the NBA. I mean, that's fair. And you saw what happened last night, especially in that fourth quarter, where it looked as if every time Miami – was trying to mount some sort of a rally. Every time they maybe were trying to scratch and fight and claw their way back into the game, Denver had an answer, right? And then last night, there was a little over nine minutes left in the game. Denver had a double-digit lead, and what happened? Nikola Jokic gets tied up with Bam Adebayo, and he gets whistled for his fifth foul. Has to go to the bench. And if you look at the replay and you watched it, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a classic flop by Bam. Right, classic flop, and you know what? The officials bought it, and they sent the MVP to the bench there. So you're thinking, all right, well, now's the chance for Miami, right? You're down 10, but you still got a lot of time left on the clock. Game ain't over yet. You're home. Get the crowd behind you. You know, those diehard Miami fans, all six of them. And it didn't really work out that way, right? It didn't. You know, Miami got close, right? And this was with Jokic on the bench for five minutes, right? Sat him for five minutes. I think the Heat got it to maybe like five or something like that. But 
they couldn't deal with the prosperity. And once again, the Nuggets had the answer, and they stretched the lead back up to nine. So when Jokic came back into the game, Denver had a nine-point lead. So essentially, the five minutes he was on the bench, they only lost one point. <laughs> you know what I mean? They lost one point on the scoreboard as far as their advantage was concerned. But, I, I mean, guys, if you've watched this series, you know who the better team has been. Right? Through four games, it's obvious the Nuggets are the better team. And last night, you know, you could point to one thing in particular as to why they cost themselves that game, and Miami was sloppy with the basketball. They were too, too sloppy, too many turnovers. I, I, I mean, 15 turnovers for 17 points going the other way for the Denver Nuggets, right? You're a possession basketball team. I actually watched uh, a little bit of Udonis Haslam, who's essentially a coach. You know, he, he still suits up in a uniform, but he doesn't play. You know, he's he's – 40-something years old, whatever he is. It's going to be his last year. Gray beard, the whole nine yards. He fits the bill. And Haslam was holding court in the locker room after the game, and he essentially said, he's like, you know, we're a possession basketball team. You know, we're not going to go out there and, and light up the scoreboard. You know, we're not going to put up a buck fifty on you. We value each and every possession. We have to be careful with the basketball. You turn it over 15 times, give them 17 points off it, that's how you're going to lose. And that's exactly what happened in that game last night. Plus, you had Aaron Gordon step up offensively in a major way. That was probably the best playoff game that Aaron Gordon ever played. You know, I mean, 27 points. He had six assists, for crying out loud. Made three threes. You know, when that's happening, you throw up your hands in the air and say, what chance do you have if you're the opposition? How about Bruce Brown? You know, Richard called up earlier and brought up Bruce Brown. How about that? 21 off the bench, playing the role of Christian Brown this time. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Bruce Brown last night. Giving them 20-plus off the bench. I mean, you know, you're living a charm life when you get those two type of performances from those guys, and neither one of them is named Nikola Jokic and, and Jamal Murray. And that's why the Nuggets are going to win this thing. You know, it's as simple as that. And, you know, I, I hate to, you know, beat a dead horse here with Miami, but their role players are just too inconsistent, right? I know that they've made it far, and they've probably exceeded whatever expectations that everybody in the NBA had for them, except themselves. But... Too inconsistent to beat a much better team like Denver. I mean, look at look at their starting backcourt last night, right? I mean, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, they had two points. Two. Where's that drop we have, Harvey? We got it in there, the two. Remember two? What do you mean two? Remember two? that? Two? Yeah. What do you mean two? The starting back, let, let's do it again. The starting backcourt of the Miami Heat, okay? Starters combined 38 minutes. They scored two points. Two? What do you mean two? You're not going to win too many games that way. One of ten from the floor. There were three of 17 the last game. That's just not going to cut it. And the series is over. Any way you want to slice it, it's over. You know. Oh, yeah, that, that, oh, yeah. That's really going out on a limb. Telling you that this NBA Finals is over. But it is. You know, the only question is, is there any way, any chance that the Heat are going to be able to get it back to South Beach for a game six. I, I hope they can. You know, you want the series to have some legs. Give us a couple of more things to talk about. You know, you enjoy the NBA. You know, because you're not going to get any other games until, what, October. But I just don't have any confidence right now. I mean, and if you've watched this series, what, what would give you faith that on Monday night, back in Denver, that Miami's going to win? You really think Miami's going to win two straight games in Denver just to even stretch this thing to six? Right? A Denver team that has only lost one home game since March? And they're going to lose two in a row? I just can't see it. And, you know, look, I, we're all big into legacies. 
We're all big into these conversations, right? We love legacy talk. And whenever we have these, you know, who's better, who's best debates and that type of thing, everybody is, oh, how many titles did they win? How many times were they in the finals? How many MVPs? Well, the great players need rings, you know? Kevin Durant was a great player once upon a time, but it seemed like nobody wanted to put him in that next conversation until he went to the Golden State Warriors and he won a couple of championships with those guys, right? He got his rings. Couldn't win one in Oklahoma City with Westbrook and the like. Had to go to Golden State, and he finally got his ring. Now Jokic is that next player. Remember, there was talk earlier in the week on a lot of the shows, we were even mentioning it, like why isn't Jokic a bigger star? Right? Like, why isn't he more popular? Why isn't he more of a household name? And people were insinuating, well, because he's not American. Well, there's nothing to do with it. There's nothing to do with it. You know? Giannis isn't a Native American. He's Greek. Isn't Giannis a huge star? How many commercials is Giannis in? Giannis has a personality, though. Jokic doesn't have that personality, and he can't fault him for it. He wants to play basketball. Nothing wrong with that. He's not a bad guy. Not a bad guy at all. Everybody's different. And I think the Nuggets are satisfied with that. They want a guy who, you know, they'll be content with a guy who's going to just go out there and play great basketball and, and just continue to work on his craft and hone his craft. He's all business. Everybody would like to have a guy like that on their team. But it's got nothing to do with the fact that, you know, he's not an American. That's silly. But damn, is he good. I mean, really, really, really good. And if he could stay healthy, I, I mean, how many more MVPs is he going to win? Because all the, you know, all this conspiracy stuff, you know, that he'd won the previous two MVPs and all the reasons as to, you know, why they're voting him the MVP or why they're not voting him the MVP. Well, now he's just about to scale the mountain and he's going to be on top of the NBA world. He's going to have his ring. He's going to have his championship. So next season, once you get to March and you start to have those conversations about, you know, most valuable player and who you're going to vote for and the whole nine yards, now you're talking about the champ, right? Why wouldn't you give him his flowers even more? Even if it means giving him a third MVP or a fourth MVP. Sky's the limit for this guy. Really and truly is. And damn, is he fun to watch. Here is Mr. Jokic after last night's game. What are his emotions now that he's just a win away from that elusive NBA championship? I mean, it's, it's still one win, you know. We need to win one more. We didn't. I like that we didn't relax. Uh, we didn't get uh, comfortable. We are still desperate. We still want it, and that's that's what uh, makes me happy, you know. That the guys didn't didn't uh, relax. It's all business, you know. You're not going to get the big splashy quote from a guy like that. He's all business. Denver doesn't care. How about the other side? Here's Jimmy Butler asking, or he was asked if the Heat could come back from 3-1 down. I think so. I, I just think we, we really do believe in one another, um, in ourselves as individuals. So we've done some hard things all year long in this playoff run as well. And now it's like the hardest of the hard. But like we always say, you know, the things that you want is on the other side of hardest. I don't know what. Um, so that's where we're at. That's our reality. So we got to go out and win three straight. Jim, that a great year. Really and truly have. You know, you've gotten a lot farther than anybody thought you could have. You know, you won that game seven in Boston after coughing up a 3-0 series lead. Nobody thought that you guys would go up there and win that game and be able to turn around that momentum. It was like a freight train. The only guys that believed were you guys in that room. But you got it done. But I'm telling you right now, 
you're not winning this series. It's over. It's done. But I don't expect them to say anything different, right? Anybody they in the shoes would say, yeah, they're not. They ain't winning. They're not. Hey, Dan, do you think that the Heat are going to come back 3-1 down and win this series? They ain't winning. Smart By golly. Guy. Smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. I would have had you drug tested. <laughs> 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. You know, we should talk about a couple of interesting case studies here. Some players who might be available come the offseason. Sounds like one definitely will be, and another might be. They've accomplished some things in the NBA, all-stars, the whole nine yards. They make any sense for New York Knickerbockers? We'll talk about it. Garage's show till 3, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Live from the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center here in beautiful Florham Park, New Jersey. They are hosting Girls High School Flag Football Championships here today. And we got the New Jersey Championship, which is happening right now between Ridgewood and Hillside. And as I glance at the scoreboard, well, it's one-way traffic right now. It's 27 to nothing in favor of Ridgewood in the uh, second quarter. They have a running clock. I don't know. Is Aaron Rodgers around? I don't know if they, see if they can get him some snaps. I don't know. I don't know. Might be uh, either that or Frank Reich. Right? He was known for his comebacks. Uh, anyway, it's time for uh, MLB Round Trippers, driven by Coach USA. And last night... Francisco Lindor connected on his 12th for the New York Mets. Also in that game for Pittsburgh, get Carlos Santana connect on number four. Jack Sawinski, number 12. Josh Donaldson hit his fifth in the Bronx. Like I said, he's been swinging a hot bat since coming off the IL. He also had Kike Hernandez, number six. And Rafi Devers hitting his 14th for the Boston Red Sox. That is MLB Round Trippers, driven by Coach USA. Make your commute to the city easy on a Coach USA bus. For schedules and fares, go to CoachUSA.com or download the Coach USA app to buy, store, and scan your tickets. Um, Damian Lillard's name is one that always seems to circulate as far as availability each and every offseason, right? I mean, he's up in Portland. You know, he got them to a conference finals once upon a time. But, look, and I admire a guy like Dame for always sticking it out, playing his whole career in that place, in a small market. And he's put together a pretty darn good career here, too. But, you know, there's a lot of players in his shoes that would decide to go chase rings, chase titles, go play with their buddies, and give themselves a greater chance of finally getting to the top of the mountain. He hasn't done that yet, but you never know. What could transpire? So, earlier in the week, he was on the Last Stand podcast with Brian Custer, and he talked about possibilities or alternatives if he were to move on from a team like the Portland Trailblazers, where he could see himself getting traded to. <laughs> Miami, obviously. <laughs> and Bam is my dog. Bam is my dog, for real. But, I mean, I think Miami, the obvious one, Brooklyn is obvious one, is another obvious one because Mikael Bridges is my dog, too. All right, so he mentioned the Nets. Normally, though, when you talk about these players, these all-stars in the NBA, you know, moving from team to team, generally speaking, they tend to join up with guys who, you know, all-stars, MVPs, 
guys who have won in the past and all those type of things. Guys like Mikael Bridges aren't generally in that conversation. So that would surprise me. You know, you mentioned Bam down in Miami. And Bam, look, I know Miami's not going to win the title this year. Bam's been the best Heat player in this series. He really and truly has been. For what he's asked to do, just not on the offensive end, but also on the defensive end, having to deal with Nikola Jokic and the whole nine yards. Bam's been good. But would Brooklyn make a heck of a lot of sense? I mean, I guess it would. You don't have somebody like Kyrie Irving anymore holding things down. You know, you let Dame go in there, run the show, ball in his hands, whole nine yards. I actually think that that would make a lot of sense for the Brooklyn Nets. Unfortunately, it wouldn't make any sense for the Knicks because, well, they got a point guard. They got a dude, you know. The revelation that is Jalen Brunson and what we witnessed this past season here for this basketball team because he was their most important player, and he is a keeper. And he is a guy that's slowly just becoming, in my estimation, the face of the franchise. And that's not a bad thing for the Knicks, especially when you went all in last summer. You know, you knew that that was the guy you were going to sign or wanted to sign and ultimately got him under contract, and he even exceeded expectations, which is a rarity nowadays. Now, CP3 is another one who we heard some rumblings earlier in the week that he might be moving on from Phoenix. And we know that Phoenix kind of crashed and burned early in the postseason this year, a lot earlier than probably Kevin Durant would have envisioned, or else he wouldn't have wanted to go to the Phoenix Suns. You know, he'd have went, you know, Katie probably would have went to Denver or, or Miami, you know, so he could be that much closer to a championship, right? I mean, he, he didn't want to just go lose in the second round. He could have stayed in Brooklyn and lost, uh, you know, in the first or second round. He wants to make it easy. But now it seems like Chris Paul might be on his way out. You know, because Chris is pushing 40 years old. And Phoenix realizes, you know, we could do even better. Shoot, I mean, you, you, you've heard even rumblings now that are attaching James Harden to the Phoenix Suns. Can you imagine that if they have like a two-thirds, like big three reunion that they had in Brooklyn temporarily out in the desert, where if it's like James Harden, Kevin Durant, and, and, and Devin Booker, you <laughs> think that would work? I mean, if you're a Brooklyn Net fan, like you're sitting there looking at this like, okay, so why couldn't that have happened with us? Like, why couldn't we have stuck it out? I don't know. You're hearing a million different things about Harden and whether or not he wants to go back to Houston, whether he's going to stay in Philadelphia, you know, now the Phoenix rumors. That was our buddy Geltziler, by the way, who was floating the the Harden to Phoenix rumors there. And, and BG is well-sourced. You know, so if he says it, I'm going to take it as a possibility because he knows his stuff and he just doesn't throw things out there. You know, it's coming from a place of, hey, you know, this makes a lot of sense basketball-wise, and, you know, if you kind of play connect the dots behind the scenes, you can actually see that happening. But if Chris Paul is going to leave Phoenix, and look, I, he's a good player, not the player he once was, right? He even broke down again at the end of this past season, which is certainly a concern, and it's been a concern for him in his career, especially in big spots, postseason, the whole nine yards. How much realistically are you going to get from somebody like a Chris Paul? at this stage of his career. The only other place that I could see him possibly landing on his feet that would make somewhat sense would be L.A., right? It would have to be L.A., it would have to be LeBron because I think he would fall right in line, LeBron would welcome him, but I don't think it would do anything to necessarily transform the Lakers back into a championship team. Like, like Chris Paul's not the missing piece. He's not that guy anymore in his career. Right? But you know LeBron will welcome him because they're buddies. But that's what makes the NBA offseason interesting, right? 
And we're getting ready for that, too. The, the NBA produces the drama, the headlines, probably greater than any other sport. Like, if you have one of those, like, special summers where you got the superstars moving from place to place, team to team, there's nothing that beats it, especially for our line of work and what we do. Like, a crazy NBA summer is priceless. It really and truly is. And so July is when we start to get that type of stuff, and it's just a few weeks away, right? The NBA Finals are going to be over this week, and then we get to the draft in a couple of weeks, and then after that, it's open season. You never know who is in business, who is going to be changing addresses, and that's what makes it a lot of fun. All right, when we come back, like I said, we are here at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. It's the high school flag football championships for both New York and and New Jersey. The Jersey State Championship is happening right now. We come back. We're going to talk to a member of the New York Jets organization on the business side of things, our buddy Eli Hodges, who is uh, works in the community relations department here for the Jets. He's a big hand in putting on this great event here. My buddy Eli is going to join me coming up next. Grass until 3, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN on this Saturday. We are live and in living color from Florham Park, New Jersey. It is, of course, the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center here in Florham Park, where today the Jets are hosting the Girls High School Flag Football Championships. New Jersey Championship is happening right now. They're at halftime of that title game. And Ridgewood is firmly in control of this one. They have a 34-0 lead, as a matter of fact, on my hometown, Hillside. No coincidence there, right, Eli? I don't think so. No, no coincidence, <laughs> no. And then we got the New York Championship coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. Plainview Old Bethpage taking on Warwick Valley High School. And the aforementioned Eli is my good buddy, does an outstanding job. He's part of the business side of things here for the Jets. Eli Hodges, Senior Manager, Community Relations and Youth Football. He has a big hand on putting this whole extravaganza together. Great seeing you, buddy. How yeah, are you? Doing well, Dan. Thanks for coming out. We're excited to uh, kind of show you guys the ropes here with girls' flag football and, uh, you know, excited to kind of speak on the sport as a whole. But uh, just glad to kind of see what's going on out here. Uh, you know, wish the game was tighter uh, at halftime, like you mentioned, 34 nothing. but uh, still a lot of game left. Still a lot of game <laughs> left. you got to play all four quarters, or in this case, two. Well, they play four quarters, right? It's four two quarters. Halves. Two halves. Okay, you got to play two halves. Until yep. the clock strikes zero, then you never know how the game is going to go here. But, you know, really, tremendous job by you and, and the whole team and the organization as a whole, you know, putting on something like this. And the initiative, it's not even just here, of course, at home, because even earlier in the year, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the program. You guys, Chicago Bears, the Jets and the Bears, they teamed up along with the NFL and even brought flag football over to the U.K. Yeah, no, it was, it's been awesome. It's been a great ride. Uh, I think back in 2012, we launched with uh, about 12 teams uh, in New York City with the public schools athletic league run New York City schools. Uh, since then, uh, we're at 60 teams in New York City. Uh, here we launched in uh, 2021 uh, with our sort of New Jersey League, sort of uh, more hands-on league um, with just eight schools from North Jersey. Uh, since then, we expanded it from year one with eight schools to spring 22 with 43 schools in New Jersey and then uh, on Long Island. And now this year, we're at about 110 schools uh, between the Hudson Valley, Long Island, and New Jersey. So uh, to kind of see the sport grow both uh, domestically and now internationally, yep. uh, it's uh, it's awesome. And to kind of see these girls really pick up on the sport and really make it their own, it's great to see because uh, there's only so much that the Jets can do. There's only so much that any NFL club 
can do. You know, we can provide resources. We can be there to give cool opportunities like coming out to the Jets facility and playing your championship game. But it's on the teams to kind of take it and make it their own and run with it, and that's what all these teams are doing. And I'll tell you, the winners, uh, I mean, this is legit because the winners, I was in the office yesterday, yep. and, and I got to pick up the trophy. Mm. These are heavy trophies. Legitimate. I mean, this, I don't know if the Vince Lombardi trophy weighs as much <laughs> as the trophy does for this thing. I mean, it, is, it is legit. Yeah. You know, so it is going to be something they could take with them back to the school, and it's going to be something to commemorate as well. And then after the game, mm. the winners are also going to get sized for championship rings. Yeah. No, we, we did it for the first time last year. We give championship rings to uh, the New York champion for New York State, New Jersey, as well as New York City. Um, so I already have the championship rings mocked up. We have the, the sizing kits ready. Uh, they're going to go into our auditorium and uh, try on some rings and see what their size are going to be. But it should be a really, really cool event. Uh, I know the girls are really pumped for it. Uh, in our first uh, preseason game against, excuse me, our first home preseason yes. game. Only home preseason game. The one game. and only, yeah. Exactly. Against Tampa, we're going to do a ring ceremony on field before the game with all three teams. So it should be really cool to kind of see the girls uh, be commemorated and be recognized for all the great work that they've been doing. That'll be August 19th at yep. MetLife Stadium. As Eli said, Jets and Buccaneers. Who knows? Maybe we'll be talking to one of the coaches or some of the members yeah. with, with Greg and myself on uh, on the pregame show that day as well. Looking forward to that. And, again, it really is a great program here. You talk about the growth. Yes. Right. This was something that launched once upon a time, and there was just eight schools. Yep. You know, to see where you guys are now with over 100 schools, if you are a program out there that, let's say, isn't necessarily participating now, how do you go about getting involved? Yeah, you know, that's something that's been happening uh, in a few different ways. Um, and each way it, each way works. Uh, you can reach out to whoever your local league is. If there's a conference that your, uh, your tackle football team plays in, uh, you know, if there's a, an athletic director within your conference or league, reach out to that athletic director and have them contact me. Um, you know, reach out to me directly. We've had uh, teams start different ways. I've, I've reached out to Hillside and kind of brought the idea to them. I had a senior from Ridgewood last year mm -hmm. send an email to the Jets account saying, hey, how do I bring girls flag to Ridgewood? I want to start with me and my friends. And they're one of the best teams I've seen last year, and this year they're even better kind of on their way to a championship. They're so a machine. It's, yeah, it's, it's great to see. So, you know, we're, we're just excited to kind of see it grow different ways. But, uh, you know, just don't hesitate to contact if it's anyone at the Jets, you know, it gets it all gets to the right place. So it's well, uh, we're excited. Well, people, we're talking to Eli Hodges. He's with the Jets. Big, big event today here at the facility, the Girls High School Flag Football Championship. To get involved yes. and to have this partnership, is it the municipalities, the towns, or is it through the schools specifically? Yeah. Or so, both? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of talk to what we want to do. So our end goal is to have Girls Flag recognized as a varsity sport in both New Jersey and New York State. Right now, uh, it's going to be done in New York State starting next year. Uh, this is the last sort of uh, New York championship that we can host, and the rest is going to be taken over by the state. Right now, really? it's just a regional championship happening here, and then the next one state championship is happening in New York State spring 24. Um, but as for New Jersey, you know, we're making our way there. So all of this is scholastic. Uh, we want it to be done the same way that soccer is and tackle football in the fall and basketball and hockey, all those same sports. We want to have girls flag recognized and talked along those same lines. How did this idea once upon a time, and it wasn't even that long ago, how did it come about internally to where, the, you know, as an organization, the Jets said, this is something that we want to be a part of. This is something that we think that a lot of kids can benefit from. How did, we, you know, from the ground up, so to speak? Yeah, so it, it sort of, it even predates me. Um, and I've been here, this is my ninth, tenth season. I, it's controversial. I don't even know how long I've been here. It's been a long time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's They just, all add up regardless. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, 
it, it's something where we've always had that organizational push to support women in sports. Um, and for us to be able to kind of just keep providing opportunities to young women. Um, and uh, it's something that, like I mentioned, we started back in the early 2010s with New York City. And then it sort of rekindled in uh, around 2019, 2020. Uh, and then that spring 21, right through COVID, right towards the end, the tail end when, you know, kids get back out and start playing sports is when we launched here in New Jersey. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's top down and it starts with ownership. Uh, ownership is completely behind Girls Flag and one of the biggest drivers behind it. Uh, you know, they, they've been over to my desk to look at the trophies the same way that you have mm-hmm. to kind of say, like, this is the coolest. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we just want to keep pushing it and keep driving it and keep, keep creating opportunities for young women to go out there and play the greatest sport in the world. And the organization has contributed over a million dollars, by the way. So I mean, that's not chump change. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You know, over a million dollars to support the Girls Flag Football Initiative really throughout the tri-state area, which is fantastic. Ha- around the NFL. Yes. Are there other organizations? We talked about the Bears and how the Jets and the Bears both went to the U.K. and, and launched a program earlier in the spring, which was great. But to what extent, to your knowledge, do the other you know 31 teams, well, I should say 30 because we mentioned the Bears, the other yes. 30 teams that are trying to also maybe get something like this off the ground and maybe you're looking at the Jets as taking the lead? Yeah, I would say more teams have a girls' flag initiative than don't. Um, I, if I had to guess, I would say at least two-thirds of clubs around the league uh, support women's sports in terms of girls flag football. Uh, you know, there's other teams that do great job with it. You know, uh, I, I always work with our counterparts down in Atlanta mm-hmm. with the Falcons, um, the Cleveland Browns, um, the even like a team like the Giants, the Eagles, and the Bills. Uh, nearby our market are literally Which our market sense. with the sure. Giants. So in order for us to – uh, get reach our end goal in making girls flag a sanctioned sport in New York and New Jersey. We have to work alongside the Giants and the Bills to kind of attack it and uh, you know get down to different ways and figure out how we want to drill down on it. Same thing with New Jersey. We have to work with the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles have sort of the area near Philadelphia. The Giants have the shore. Then we take all of North Jersey and Central Jersey. So it's been just a really cool experience to really just, um, you know, highlight what all these girls can do and see what the clubs can do when we kind of come together and collaborate. And, you know, we're all pulling for the same thing. And for us to accomplish this, it, it means a lot. Talking with Eli Hodges, he's part of the Jets team here. They have the Girls High School Flag Football Championships today out here at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center in Florham Park, New Jersey. The teams that start out part of this whole thing, you know, like you said, we had over 100 schools, right, initially part of it. The games themselves, they're played here to ultimately get to this point as they're playing throughout the season to ultimately get to the championship? They're played here at the schools? Where does that take place? The games are played at the schools. Okay. So uh, we so we have great sponsors in Nike and Gatorade, and we're able to host some games here. We have a Gatorade series. So once a week we'll host a girls' flag game between uh, two teams from the same conference at our facility. But games are, for the most part, played at whichever school is the host, same way like any other sport would be in high school. You know, you talk about recognition, yep. you know, and how people are obviously paying attention to this great initiative and so on and so forth. Yeah. The High School Girls Flag Football League, they were awarded the Best Diversity Initiative by Synopsis Sports this past spring. Yeah. What does that mean with all the hard work that you put into this? Yeah. Right? I mean, how it starts off as an idea to see to get this thing off the ground to where now not only you put this plan into motion and you have this great event like you have today, but now you're being recognized by outside 
entities like that and you get rewarded for it. That's got to be satisfying. Yeah, and it's, it's satisfying for me. It's satisfying for Jesse Linder, who's our VP of Community Relations, who's been with me the whole way along this project, and the entire organization. There's buy-in everywhere. Uh, we have our content department that has our docu-series in power. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're filming the, the third season right now. Uh, you know, it's going on live. Uh, we have I our, think I might have some scenes exactly. in that, believe yes, it or not, yeah, today. Maybe so. in the background. So, yeah. uh, Got to check with SAG after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we have our comms department who's there for every step. Our marketing department. Um, you know, it's a collaboration, our, our partnerships and sponsorships. You know, they're able to kind of bring on Nike and Gatorade. So it means a lot for the entire organization. There's buy-in everywhere. So uh, for us to be able to kind of see it culminate with these big events like the championship game here today, uh, it, it means a lot. And it shows that, you know, all the work that we put in, it's always worth it. It, it always is. Championship today. When do we get the next season off the ground and running here? Is it almost fall in line with the NFL calendar? So the next season is going to begin. Uh, or with the academic calendar? Yes, yeah, so yeah, with the academic year. Exactly, yeah. So we'll figure out who the new teams are. So that's going to pretty much build up through the fall and the winter. And then next spring is when the next season begins. So it pretty much falls in line with your lacrosse or your uh, – softball other spring sports like that well give the information once again yeah. for anybody that's listening to this right now and i'm sure a lot of people are who maybe weren't even aware that the jets had a program like this they run they have you know girls that that like football that want to play football maybe on a league level how do they go about getting in contact with the organization here so they could be a part of it yeah i'll give an email address so empower at newyorkjets.com and that's e-m-p-o-w-h-e-r at newyorkjets.com Com. And if you just reach out to me there, we'll make sure whatever it is, we'll be a part of it and we'll help make it happen. Um, to see these young women get the opportunities to continue playing, um, you can hear some of the cheers in the background, hopefully. But it's, it's just great to see them continue to evolve and, you know, continue to get opportunities to keep moving forward because now they're going to start offering scholarships at – it's at the D3 level now, yep. and then it's going to be D2 and then D1. Uh, and then hopefully we're at the NCAA level, uh, you know, completely. And then the end goal, uh, you know, we're crossing our fingers, but uh, the LA Olympics, it becomes Olympic sport, and then it's really taken off. Think about that for a second, what you just said, right? How this started is like a fledgling kind of an idea to yeah. now to the point where you're talking about scholarships. Yeah. And to have that ultimate goal, like you said, of the Olympics, I mean, that would be totally icing on the cake here. Yeah. But it's a great event. Eli, you know, you and your team, you do an outstanding job here. And, you know, I'm glad that we could at least be out here today to at least present another side of this here and to get it out to the people a little bit more. So thanks for having us. And thanks so much. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it, my All man. All right. There's my good buddy Eli Hodges, Senior Manager, Community Relations, Youth Football Jets, do a, a wonderful, wonderful job here getting the girls' high school flag football off the ground and running here and uh, hosting the championships today for New York and New Jersey. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Gross' show. We're rolling till 3 today right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, I don't want to exactly go out on a limb, but it looks like Ridgewood is going to take down Hillside. I mean, it's 41-6 to with about 10 minutes left in the game. So, yeah. So we'll be talking to the uh, coach of Ridgewood and uh, the quarterback coming up a little bit later on uh, in the program. Remember, we're taking it till 3 o'clock. Then it's going to be Gordon Damer rest of the afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN. Mets have made uh, a couple of roster moves here, getting a couple of fresh arms in. Tommy Hunter designated for assignment. Zach Muckenhern was optioned to Syracuse. So John Curtis and Josh Walker called up 
uh, to add to that bullpen is they need some fresh arms because they've been getting absolutely tattooed for the last few days. You can't just keep trotting the same old guys out there when it comes to, uh, you know, what the Mets have. And, you know, part of that problem is the reason why the bullpen is worn down here, too, it's, it's no secret because they're not getting any length from the starting pitching. None whatsoever. And, and that probably, to me, is probably one of the more shocking developments of this baseball team all season long is that the starting rotation has, has misfired as much as they have this year, especially when you're talking about two guys who are first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Famers in Verlander and Scherzer and what they're being paid, and really the production and the return that they're getting on in their investment is just futile. It really and truly is. I, I, I said it last night. You know, Verlander lasted three innings in that start against the Atlanta Braves on Thursday night. You know, gave up five-plus runs, whatever it was. I mean, last year when the guy coming off of Tommy John surgery and won a Cy Young Award with the Houston Astros, he made 28 starts. He only had two of those starts. He had two games all season where he gave up five or more runs. He's had that happen three times already since putting on a Met uniform. And he missed the first month of the season, too, because his armpit was uh, not feeling so well. So he couldn't pitch. That, that, that's what happens, right? When you go chasing ghosts of the past, it's not exactly a sound business strategy. And you're paying – see, the problem is, is that the Mets decided to pay Scherzer and Verlander as if they were, you know, 30 years old instead of 40 and they were still in their primes and still the peak of their powers and all those things. The Verlander situation, and look, the guy's out there trying. You know, he, he's trying to find it, and he's probably just, you know, a, a, as beleaguered as any fan is, just trying to watch him rediscover the form that he flashed even last year. But the problem with that is, it's, you know, we've seen this before, even with the Mets. You know, remember it was about 20 years ago when they decided to beef up the offense. And they had that wild spending that offseason. Remember, they brought in Mo Vaughn. They traded for Mo Vaughn, who was a former MVP. They, they brought back Jeremy Burnitz, who had a home run stroke there with the Milwaukee Brewers for a little bit. You know, they brought Roger Cedeno back. And then they made that trade with Cleveland to get Roberto Alomar. And Robbie Alomar, who's one of the best second basemen of his generation, if not the best, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer the whole nine yards. Robbie Alomar, the year before the Mets got him, he finished third in the MVP in the American League. Clearly still a productive player. Comes over to the Mets, and you thought that he aged about 30 years in just one offseason because he hit worse than I could have, you know? And it just seems like time and time and time again, the Mets just cannot break out of this funk and out of this drought of getting guys that are past their prime, unfortunately, and are not able to deliver at the rate that they thought they were going to be able to provide when they made either those trades or signings. And, and that's why you haven't won a World Series since 1986, right? That's why it seems like you just can't get out of your own way, unfortunately. And they have to find a way to be able to overcome that because it doesn't look like this season's going to be the year, despite the record-setting payroll. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So no – um. No Red Bulls today, Harv, huh? You get the day off? Oh, yeah. By the time I got a night off, watching yeah. this team. So this is what, the international break? So no game for a couple of weeks? No game. There is MLS games going on, but the Red Bulls are off. Now, why? Week. So is it, it's, it's almost like the bye week or whatever? Is that why they get the couple of weeks yeah, off? Yeah, essentially. They've already played half the games of the schedule, so they're done until the 21st, then they get right back on it. What are you going to do with yourself? to be able to buy the time until you get to watch your, your beloved team again. Well, I mean, the sports never stops. I mean, I got the Champions League final at 3 o'clock. That's I got true. 
I got Man, the, uh, Man, Man City against Inter, right? That's right. In, who, do, in, who do you like in that one, by the oh, way? Oh, Man City. Easy. Like like not even a doubt? A little doubt, but they they should cruise through this. All right. They've only conceded two goals this entire knockout round, knockout stage phase. So Man City is going to hoist the Champions League trophy. Yeah, saying. they're going to win. They're going to win the trouble, and um, that will cap off one of their, their – arguably be their best ever season ever. Now, have you given any further thought – to what we talked about earlier in the week about, you know, with Lino Messi coming over now and he's playing for Miami and they're going to be swinging by Red Bull Arena at the end of August. You haven't given any further thought as to maybe selling your tickets for that game to to, to make a nice bank. I've given it thought because, I mean, look, being totally dismissive of it is, is, is a bit, is, you know, a bit harsh. Sure. But. As it should be. <laughs> but this is a fair world, so I will listen to offers. I've got nothing yet, nothing concrete as it is, so. You know, just wait and see. We've only got like two and a half months, so. Let me tell you something. You put those suckers on the secondary market, you know, whether it's StubHub or, or, or whatever you want to call it. You put those things on there. They will. What are they going for right now? Tickets for that game, as much as five hundred dollars a ticket, right? You said. I haven't. Last time I checked on the day, it was about five k the most. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, look. I know everybody's situation is different, but if if you're going to tell me that somebody's going to offer you $5,000 for tickets for one game, how do you not make that happen? I'm seeing 10000 now. $10,000. And you got good seats. I got I got a second row right there in the goal. You're in the, the second goal. row. That's right. I told my dad this yesterday. And um, Is he familiar with the secondary market and all these things? Not really. I mean, he hasn't really used the internet like that. What does um, he use it for? He doesn't really use it much at all. Uh, so he's not an internet guy. All right, that's fine. But um, oh my god, the tickets in my section are going for eight fifty a pop. I'm, come on, I'm oh seeing seventeen hundred a pop. Here. Dude, I'll buy them from you. Like, okay, it, it, how it much? pains me. Like, I, I, it pains me that that you're not going to act on this. Well, I, I said I'll listen. You said you got an offer for me. Here's the thing. Here, here's what worries me. Like, if you want to look at this from a business model standpoint. Right? Because you have to bring some sense into this. What if? And I think you brought it up before the show, or we were talking about it before the show. Yeah, it's got something. God forbid, right? God forbid, because the game is at the end of August. A lot can happen between now and the end of August. I mean, shoot, look what happened to the sky just a couple of days ago. It looked like a science fiction movie. Anything can happen. What happens if Messi maybe doesn't even play in the game? What if Messi, like, you know, rips his groin? Or turns an ankle, and he's not even going to be able to play in that game. Then what? If it's injury-wise, then I understand. If it's load management, it does not exist. No, the, the, you can't have the load management. No. In a soccer crazy market like this, no, they won't do load management. But the reason I'm saying that is, what if you do hold out till like, let's say, a couple of weeks or so before the game, and then when that happens, you're trying to unload them, only to find out that like Messi is on the shelf and there's no way he's going to play. Then you're stuck with the tickets, and then you missed out on a big payday. But I still win because I still get to see my team. No, that's not a, that's not a win. That's a win. No, it's not. I'm like counting you, it. Like you said, they're going for ten grand now. Is that right? Like you could sell them today, make your money, and if he plays or if he doesn't play, it doesn't matter because you're laughing all the way to the bank. But I get to watch think, my team. Think about how many. Think about how many. First of all, you could pay for your season tickets for the next ten years. Can, can we stop with that? By the way, I, I'm I'm 
perfectly fine buying um paying for my season tickets. I'm it not like it doesn't matter. I'm not it doesn't matter. For you can make it that much easier on you. You could go you could go to your place and and buy like a lifetime supply of the oatmeal raisin cookies that you love so much. Right? This is the best point you've made regarding this the entire time. The, the oatmeal raisin that, cookies. Well, that the Tremendous oatmeal raisin cookies. and the fact that Messi could get injured. That's exactly right. Come on, Harvey. Exactly what are we right. doing here? I still get towards my team. Does that not count no. for anything? The team's not good. Being a fan and all the that? The team is not good. This has nothing to do with the, your fan card is not going to be revoked because you sold your tickets for 5K a pop I think to I, look out for your bankroll. You I, can have You can have the company that makes those oatmeal raisin cookies deliver them right to your door. Every single day, if you want, with the type of money that you could be talking about from selling these tickets. I mean, they sell them out in the open air outside this building. It doesn't matter. You shouldn't have to even go outside for them. They should come to so, so I've become royalty now. Yeah. You would be, you know, like Richie Rich, you'd be Harvey Rich. That's who you would be. <laughs> Harvey Rich. I'm telling you, just, just, and I don't want to plant that seed. I, I want to plant that seed in your head because I care about you. The longer you wait... Potentially, the opportunity could dry up. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But I guess we'll monitor the situation. Anyway, we got another hour to play with here from beautiful Florham Park, New Jersey, the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. Girls High School Flag Football Championships are happening. We haven't even talked about real football, as a matter of fact, because yesterday Jets wrapped up their off-season program, OTAs. Their brand-new quarterback spoke. Last year's quarterback spoke. The head coach spoke. We'll talk a little green and white football. Still got 60 minutes to play with. Grasso Show till 3 right here on 98.7 ESPN.